going? Hi, hello everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Video Game Realness, serving up your weekly dose of gaming chit-chat among friends. I'm your host, Delvin, and today I'm joined with James. Hello. Cameron. Hi. And Michael. Hey. And Greg can't be with us today, so Mm. it's just the four of us. Hey, girl, hey. Hi, everyone. Somebody's been practicing the intro. (laughs) That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You, you got the tagline in. Intro. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That was wow. just totally natural. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, in this week's episode, we're just going to be discussing a little bit of news tidbits, um, any new games anyone's been playing, um, a discussion on microsystems such as Ouya and Steambox, um, and a discussion on the whole history of Tales. Because Michael really wants to talk about Tales this week. Yes. <laughs> it was just something that, that was spurred by other like news this week. And we've been talking about doing like some more featurey discussion episodes. Yeah. And you know, I was just like, huh, that would be a cool topic. It would. So really? here we are. So yeah. Um in the light of that, um the past week, any new games that anyone's been playing? I know I haven't, so I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I've already talked enough about it. I'm not going to go on about it anymore. Um, but, James, have you played anything new this week? I don't think we've played anything new this week. I've been playing Guild Wars 2 with Cameron <laughs> still. I'm still trying to finish Luigi on my 3DS. Yeah, unfortunately, nothing new. Oh, actually, no, that's not true. I did play something new. I did play Mario and Luigi Dream Team. Oh, There's yeah. There's a demo available on the eShop. Oh, great. Ooh. So I'm actually really glad that Nintendo is doing this more often because mm-hmm. you get to actually um, sample playing on the playing in the normal world the dream world and then you get to do a boss battle oh the, the when you turn it sideways the touchscreen boss battle or no i don't know i haven't got to that part of the demo. Oh, okay. like that the part's, demo's that actually part's pretty wild yeah okay. the demo's actually fairly lengthy mm-hmm. um so you get to really sample the game and uh, i remember you were talking about it james mm-hmm. um and it was saying how it was had that uh, Super Mario RPG feel, yeah. and it really does. It does. It really does. So if you have a 3DS, um, definitely get on the th- uh, mm-hmm. eShop and download it. It's kind of like a, they didn't really like announce it or anything. It's just it's no. really stealth. It's just like I but was just happened- that's Nintendo with most things. Like, well, apparently this one it just sells well because it's so it, it's it has a very dedicated yeah, um, yeah fan base, and they don't feel like expanding it because it's kind of well, complicated. Because they don't like making money. Well, no, I guess it's just when, you know, they either, I mean, if they think about sort of casual markets to market to, it's not necessarily a casual but game. I just think that the... That it's hard. It's definitely not, yeah. I just think that... My mom couldn't play it. Well, true, but you still have, like, the opportunity to catch some people who might not have bought the game um, with the demos. That's how I bought Fire Emblem. I wouldn't have bought Fire Emblem if not for the demo that they had on the eShop. And I'm oh. probably going to buy Mario and Luigi Dream Team now. Mm-hmm. So I just feel that they need to be like... Hey, you know all those spot pass information that they always give you like in your notifications? They should yeah. be like, "Hey, guess download wh- the demo." Yeah. Yeah, that sure was so yeah. smart. They probably just put it in on their Thursday updates, right? Cuz you know how it refreshes every Thursday. Yeah. Like, oh, this week, Mario. Here you go. But that is so smart if like in a street pass it would be like, you know, if if you street pass five people playing this game right and then it would be like a lot of people are playing this want to try the demo that's it well it does that okay so if you pass like oh, really? a lot I of people in a row <laughs> that's because michael doesn't take yeah. 3ds anywhere so if you pass a lot of people in a in a row like that say play animal crossing mm-hmm. it'll be like oh three people that you passed that were playing animal crossing would you like to view this in the eShop? i think it should also say oh, that's nice 
Yeah, it should also say people were playing this. Do you want to demo it? It's available in the eShop. Like, hello, it's like self-advertising amongst your own Yeah, platform. it is totally free. It costs mm-hmm. nothing to just put that in there. I just anyway. So Oh, I will say we did end up playing um Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah, that's right. Mists of Chronicles of Mystaria. Yes, because it finally and came Tower out. of Doom. Yeah, it finally came out on Wii U. <laughs> oh yes, okay. And how is it? Oh my God, it's it's, <laughs> it's some very side-scrolling retro. hot mess going on right there. It's, it's fun. Sticks to snakes. Yeah, <laughs> but the spells are so crap. And I keep on playing this magic elf girl, and every time she casts, she just she just screams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just over and over again. It's four players. It's it's fun. I played with Delvin. I played with Tristan. You can play online. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's really, it's like Golden Axe, but yeah, it pretty much is Golden Axe. Just it's in like American like, Golden Axe, much, yeah. <laughs> but in the Dungeons and Dragons format. Yeah, I just okay. think Sticks to Snakes is Sticks a funny to Snakes attack. is the best. It's an attack skill, where you yeah. just literally take a stick and you turn throw it, it onto the ground. And it turns into snakes, and the snakes run and go, and they attack the mobs. So, I mean, just to set the stage, Delma and I don't know anything about Dungeons and yeah. Dragons, and so when he saw the spell, he's like, "Oh, sticks to snakes! I wonder what that does." And he casts it, and literally, this man just throws three snake uh, sticks, so they become snakes. She's <laughs> like, "Oh, it's literally sticks <laughs> that turn into snakes." I'm used to things not being so literal yeah. in, this, yeah. in this day and age. Welcome yeah. to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, there you go. So you play Dungeons and Dragons, and sticks to snakes, an actual attack that is used in. It's. It might have been in some of the older editions. I don't think it's in 3.5 that I play, or at least I haven't seen it. Might oh, be on no. like the summoner Maybe spell list or something. Maybe your mom used to cast. My sticks mom might know snakes. about it. You should, we should bring. Back. We should bring Cameron's mom in <laughs> for a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> special. She episode. could host the Dungeons and Dragons special <laughs> episode. Love we should you. do an episode where we play Dungeons. I've and never Dragons. played. I would be you know so what? on board, Cameron. If you can invite us, <laughs> yeah, to, I would and love teach to. us how to play. Totally record. <laughs> we would record a whole episode. We would um, just need yeah. mic stands because yeah. the whole time, if we were just like rolling dice and you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I would really love we're that. We're skilled at that. We can do that. Nice. Well, anyway, yeah. so anything else, James? That you're no, playing? no, no. Cameron, I had a pretty rough week at work, so I didn't get to play much of anything new. But on the topic of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, my D and D group, we did get back together on our older campaign we had taken a break from it for a bit so i'm back to playing my op life oracle who just sits there healing <laughs> insanity it's fun life is this life oracle a man uh yeah it's an elf it's, or it's it, it, a, oh, sorry oracle is, is the class is so it's like gendered a cl- <laughs> no never mind <laughs> Oracle's the class. It's like a. It's sort of like a cleric, only a little less religiousy. And okay. then life is like the subdomain, so it's like healing and stuff. So can you be like a death oracle? Yeah. Mm. Fire I, I, oracle. Yep. Flames is one of the subdomains. A flamer. <laughs> There's like things like oh my celestial. So you're like Ooh, starfall celestial. and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I would do. I'd be a celestial elf. Roll starfall. 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 Look forward to our Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> podcast in the upcoming weeks where James will just be sitting there and saying Starfall. Starfall. Starfall every three seconds. Anyways. He might not even be there. We could just take the recording yeah. from this episode and yeah. just keep putting it in. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that means they're going to do it without me because these are some shady bitches. <laughs> Oh, Michael, what have you played this? Anything new this week? I did. Yay! So, 
I finally beat Mass Effect 1 after doing every mission, and now I'm on to Mass Effect 2. You said something new, Michael. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. So, uh, and okay, so when I, I beat Mass Effect 1 on Monday evening, and I just went straight into Mass Effect 2, like literally just the time for the game to install and started it 10 minutes later. <clears throat> and um, I like could not get over... I when I played the games before, it was like between a couple years between releases, mm-hmm. and so this time I forgot how different the second one is. Like even the menus, like the layout is all different. Like they're orange instead of blue, <laughs> and everything is in different spaces, and the way you control things is different. And like it, it was, was completely just overhauled, pretty much, wasn't it? Totally. Pretty and much, yep. I, I now that I'm like nineteen hours into it. I'm used to it again, but in that first, like, hour, I was like, oh! Where is everything? Yeah, like, because in the first one, (laughs) you press triangle to use a metagel, and you use grenades with select, and you holster your weapons with with circle, right? And in the second one, circle hits an enemy, triangle doesn't use metagel, (laughs) and and select holsters (laughs) your weapon, so I'm trying to throw a grenade, and my guns get put away. No, it was... It's good, though, because a lot of the, uh, you got to admit, in Mass Effect 1, a lot of those buttons, like, holster weapon is circle. I mean, circle's an important button, and it's holster weapon, which is cosmetic. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but at the same time, the thing I don't like about Mass Effect 2 is that, like, your weapons are always out. Like, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to someone, and then it'll be like, oh, great, thanks, conversation ends. You take out your gun, and then just start walking away, and... It just, Granted, that's only in the combat area, so... But I, I must say, even even no, even no in, like, markets or whatnot, like, no. after you purchase things, it'll just... You're, no, you're, it doesn't. your gun. No, the markets are in specific areas where you okay. can't take out your gun at all, sweetie. Okay, well, anyway, it does Cameron stuff like know. that. Sorry. Cameron's it, played the game 19 times, probably. Uh, sorry. It just does stuff like that, and so that was um, a little, like... Not confusing, but it really like caught me off guard because I just remember all of the games not being that different. Subtle changes. It's definitely less like an RPG, but you know I'm enjoying it. I'm still going through and getting. Well, from my understanding, um, it needed that overhaul from Mass Effect it One because really did. As someone who's tried to play Mass Effect One, like I really want to get Same into here. the system. Here. I really want to get into the game because everyone says how great it is, mm-hmm. and I really want to play it from the beginning so I can like enjoy it. And like the whole story, because it's you know about the story mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I don't want to just jump in on the second one, so I'm forcing myself to the first one. Yeah, and it's just like it's just so slow for me personally. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah, of yeah. course, no, lots no, of other yeah. people absolutely love it, but I just it's just painfully slow. I'm just like, oh my god. Are you off the Citadel on the first one? So with the beginning part of the Citadel, I can totally see how you know it could be slow and and whatnot but once you get off it's it's worth it so i'm enjoying the second one that's mainly what i've been playing i also got the kingdom hearts hd remix this week oh when did that come out tuesday tuesday okay and i was like oh i should totally like start playing that and i know that if i start i'm not gonna finish mass effect and i told myself i was gonna play them all in order (laughs) so now i'm kind of like well then why did i buy kingdom hearts right away if i'm not gonna play it for like a month and a half Oh well. oh, well. I will say for you, Delvin, I jumped into Mass Effect at Mass Effect 2. I just picked up the comic because I bought the PlayStation 3 Cerberus special pack. It's ga- free now. Game of the year. Um, and uh, I actually was still very much motivated to play through all of 2. And then I got up to the point where I could then go to Omega 
like and about two more story quests to finish, and then mm-hmm. I just got nervous and pooped my pants and stopped playing. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, if you if you do get really stuck on one, I will let you know. Like I started on two, and it was not a problem at all for me. No. Yeah. So yeah, something to take away. I will definitely consider it. Yeah. Um. So I, just a side note, I was actually looking at articles on IGN, and it was talking about one of the articles was the top twenty five. Um, 3DS games, and they had put down um, Virtue's Last Reward as hey one girl, of the games. Hey. And I was like, oh, Michael would enjoy this. And I think it was like, it was like <gasps> one of the higher number games. It's really It's on the eShop now. Guys. So, so it's there. It's really good. Just a side point to your... You uh, know... I pre-ordered um, my my XL. Uh, I pre-ordered like the Pokemon Red XL uh, 3DS, and now I'm thinking maybe I should replay Virtue's Last oh, Reward on Christ. bigger screens. Yeah, you no, can take I'm it not. back from me when I'm done, when, when you get that. I'm no, I, I'm actually not going to do that. But I just thought it would be really funny. Well, if you do, you can't talk about it in now playing. <laughs> You're banned. What you mean? I can't talk about a game I was playing for like six weeks. No, every Sorry, week. Girl. Sorry, girl. <laughs> anyway, so in a small follow-up to last week's MMO discussion, um, um, Ijin had actually posted an article about uh, upcoming MMOs to keep an eye out for. I'm not going to get into all of them. Just going to say you should probably check it out if you're into MMOs. Um, some of the notable um, ones coming out is uh, Ligi- uh, Lineage. Lineage Eternal. EverQuest Next. Sequel to EverQuest. Like, in an interesting way, too. Yeah. It's very, from what I can see, it doesn't really look like EverQuest anymore. It's like EverQuest meets Guild Wars meets Minecraft meets yeah. weird parkour stuff. You. It looks great. Yeah. It looks cool. I don't know if I'll play it, but I think that's a great direction to start taking these games. My MMO played is full. I've I've oh, I've yes. finally come to the realization in life that you can only play one MMO at a time. Oh yeah, you oh, cannot yeah. play more than one. So I feel like if you play one MMO, you can't really be playing other games. True, you know, very true. That's, that's what's happening familiar. to Cameron and me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I don't play them because I like dabbling. Yeah, I know that it so was this is the guy who's been life. playing the same game for like six months. Ah, true. Good point. <laughs> that was a read. That but was I a read. I still dabble. <laughs> I still dabble. That was what a read. What are you playing, Michael? I've been playing Virtuous Last Reward. <laughs> and Mass Effect. I played them both at the same time. Excuse you very much. Let's well, that's, a, that's a, one of the good things about, for me at least, with uh, 3DS. Yeah. Is being able to... Because I always... Mobile play, with a different set of games. Yeah. yeah. So I always play yeah. on my commute to work. And that's usually how I play anything on my 3DS. Unless it's a really good game and then I really want to like sit at home and play it. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, EverQuest next. Um, and then, of course, Elder Scrolls Online, which we touched about. So... Check out that article um, and uh, in other IGN articles. Um, there was an article where they discussed um, the performance on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One um, as reported by the developers. So developers are reporting that... Developers. <laughs> developers are reporting that PS4 is 50% faster than the Xbox One. Um, I don't know what that means. It was faster in a specific way, though. It's not just in general, yeah, the like whole the, thing. The frame rate. So they said that... Um, PS4 could do like uh, 30 frames per second. Um, what is it like 19? What 19, is it like 1920 by 1080? 1920 by 1080, yes. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas. Xbox One could only do uh, oh he's got it right here. Xbox One could only do at uh, twenty something frames per second in sixteen hundred by nine hundred. Right. So that's a pretty big difference, especially people like whenever I think about games and reviewers um, touching on things, 
a reviewer will never let a f- choppy frame rate slide. They'll always like They'll well, always anybody points for will it. always just be like, well, you know, this is choppy. That's not play that one. <laughs> well, that that's what I was coming into with the point. Um, yes, okay, it's fifty percent faster in certain aspects or whatever. But the point being is that the PS4 performs a little bit better than the Xbox One. So this causes developers to develop for the lower end system um, as like the, I guess, middle ground as what they aim to develop for and make it mm-hmm. look good on the lower end system. And then, so in this case, developers are developing for Xbox One and then essentially, I guess you would say, porting it to PS4 because they're not going to take the time to then redo the game on PS4 and spend more development costs to make it look better. And of course, that doing that and in, in, in such doing so will piss off Microsoft, of course, while their version looks better and things like that. So, um, Yeah, it's really like with the PlayStation 3 versus the Xbox 360, it was like the PlayStation was still faster, but it never the games never looked better. No. It, in often cases, it looked worse because of the way that the, the system was set up. Granted, yeah, yeah, PlayStation 4 has set itself up to not have that same yeah, mistake exactly. yeah. that PlayStation 3 had. So it's interesting. Um, I still stand by my thought that it's not going to matter for at least two years. Developers aren't going to get exactly. to the point where they can use absolutely. all of that for a very long time. So Yeah, you won't really notice anything for the first, well, absolutely nothing launch. I mean, no, like, oh. at all. <laughs> nothing <laughs> launch you will notice. Yeah. I you mean, can barely tell the difference between PS3 and even X1, I'd say, at launch for some of the games. PS3 yeah. and X1 or PS3 to PS4? PS3 to X1. PS3 to X1, okay. I would say, is kind of a closer leap mm-hmm. versus, like, yeah. Xbox for third to party PS4. Yeah, oh, for third-party yeah. games. Yeah, for third-party games. I was going to say, um, like, well, even with Watch Dogs, right? Like, you, you look at Watch Dogs on, like, PS4, and then you look at Watch Dogs on um, Wii U or, or like, current-gen. Mm-hmm. There are big, big differences. Like the game just doesn't look like the same game, you mm-hmm. know. So, it, but in terms of like what's going to come out, you know, going forward, you know, a lot of the games that come out for PS4 and for Xbox One are launched on both systems. So, you know, it's unfortunate that you know, kind of PS4 gets shafted because a large portion of their games are third party. I don't think that that think, that, mm. that will be a thing. Um, I I think. You know, the main issue that people are um, about it getting shafted, because the main thing that people are saying is that um, it's, uh, what, like 1920 by by 1080, and it's it's a faster frame rate. Well, if a lot of it is just, you know, the the upscaling and, and having the assets, you could have those other assets available for PS4. The thing with 360 and PS3 is that um, the way that it, they were built and their system architecture was really different and that's why I think there were difficulties developing between the two whereas these two new systems are both based on the same like system architecture, the x86. Right. When I say shafted, I don't mean like that the PlayStation 4 is losing out. I mean that they've put all this hardware into the system and in some cases it's not going to fully be used by some third parties because they're going to just develop it as best as they can to work for it on Xbox, and if it can't, like, they're not going to develop a 
a game to be as good on PS4 as they could and then, you know, kind of downscale it for Xbox. They're going to make it look good for one and then have it the same on the other. It depends on sales. If X1 doesn't sell well and mm-hmm. the PS4 sells much better, then some developers might choose to exclusively develop for PS4 and not have to worry about that. Well, yeah, that's and true. In yeah, exclusive in games that are like for PS4. Well, no, I mean, it, it might actually determine exclusivity from going yeah. forward. Like, if, if, if developers who complain about graphics all the time, like Epic or Bethesda, etc., um, if they are serious about, you know, and even Square Enix, if they are very serious about that graphical improvement, making or breaking their ability to storytell and develop great games, mm-hmm. then I think going forward, you will see, you know, one choice over the other. It might not happen for one or two years, but I think it will come quickly. The second thing is it depends on how quickly people adopt higher resolution televisions um, yep. in their own home. So if we're mm-hmm. all stuck with my, like, 2010 Bravia, then it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. But if 4K TVs really do pick up and, you know, the adoption rate is quick because, you know, uh, the, the prices go down quickly, then you might actually see um, a large difference in the market, I think, and in developers. Well, know. I think also, too, consoles had a big had a big part in the push to HD. So, mm. like, you know, of course, obviously, TV's uh, channels started broadcasting more in HD and stuff like that, but I think a large portion of people getting like HD TVs was for consoles and then Blu-ray. Like, yeah, so, I, yeah, I, so I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> well, I think that I think that it'll be it'll help push like the the higher end TVs. Yeah, like, yeah, if, it could. Yeah, so it, it'll help in that aspect. If there's think about it, if there's no need to have the TV, if there's no media being created for these higher end TVs, mm-hmm. then no one's going to buy them. So if consoles are making them, then people are going to make that. But I mean, to, to get that higher end, if you're a graphics type person, Sony did, you know, have a big push for 3D TVs, and they were including 3D in their like games, like Uncharted 3, and that sort of a thing. And 3D TVs didn't really go anywhere. Nobody, yeah. I, I feel like nobody really sought out a 3D TV if a TV was on sale that they wanted, and then you know, the salesman was also like, "Oh, and it's 3D too." Nobody's mm-hmm. going to be like, "No." No, <laughs> give me something worse. But you know, it, it's I don't know. It's 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 hard to say right now because these were only a few reports this week, mm-hmm. and the Xbox One is changing every other week. So you know, yeah. let's see. If anything, this is just going to lead to another one. Maybe <laughs> we also like it, not to doubt their credibility, but it was really just one anonymous developer Absolutely. telling one publication. So mm, we don't really know. We but I, w- I, I wouldn't doubt well, that Well, I mean, that some developers the said the Wii was just two GameCubes strapped together, and we ran with that, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just saying. I, I think that, um, you know, Microsoft is probably very pissed off about this. Um, oh, yeah, they were so in their article, someone had come to defend, had come to defend that. I, I can't remember their name, but one of the, like, marketing people and xbox was all over it and was yeah. like no no it's not <laughs> it's not true yeah oh i know i uh, i guess we we will just have to wait and see because so many things keep changing and like cameron said if that's how things stick it will be a couple years before we see anything yeah um and at that point as well if that's the point when developers start utilizing the stronger power sales numbers might be enough to start dictating whether or not it's worth developing um 
equal versions on both systems. Because if you do look at like developers like Acti or publishers like Activision and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, when PS3 was introduced, they were still releasing for PS2 for a couple yeah. years. Same game, obviously lower res. Which is uh, happening right now. It's happening right now. So um, there's nothing from stopping them from making two versions of the same game if it means slightly more money. So if the PS4 yeah. version would be superior to the Xbox One, it then still they means they can sell it on Xbox One. Yeah, they might start putting the money into it. So. It depends on how big the difference is. That, that too. I, I mean, at the end of the day, that, that's what happens. If the difference is big and if people truly believe, I mean, this is this, is whole, this, is whole, this whole freaking debate, do graphics matter? If people well, say that they matter, then, you know, if, if, it, if it is making or breaking the game, then you'll see the divide. If it doesn't make or break the game, then it won't. Yeah. And that's what it is to me at the end of the day. Well, I think overall, too, like, <laughs> the graphical Square. leap going from PS3 and and Xbox 360 to the new systems, at least, of course, right now, is very, like... The rain looks a lot better. <laughs> the arm hair, guys. The arm no, hair. Assassin's Creed 4. Like, the rain looks really it great actually, on the PS4. Yeah. It looks really yeah. good. There's, like, there's small details that you notice, but I guess what I mean is, like, when you when you went from, like, PlayStation to PlayStation 2, it was, like... Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then you, when you went from PlayStation 2 to PlayStation 3, you're like, oh, wow. Like, huge difference. Yeah, yeah. And then PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4, it's like, all right, cool. There's like a little bit of extra this and a little bit extra that. But it's yeah. nothing that's like, oh, my God, you know, like that's standing out. So, of course, again, the systems are not being used to their full potential right away. So maybe we'll see something more in like, two to three years and then probably by then they'll start making <laughs> developing for the next system. If anything, I think this is gonna help PC gaming move forward and develop quicker. I mean, because yes. x86 is a yep. standard PC development structure and if the hardware in a PS4 and in an X1, well PS4 let's say is hitting what high end PCs can do, we'll probably actually see a lot of triple platform, mm -hmm. if you will, games and that will really invigorate the PC market. Because you know what? For 600 bucks, I mean, you can't get top of the end, but you can get something that's pretty decent, yep. I would say. And you can play some games on it yeah, as well. So. That's really true. Because, yeah. like, you know, if you're like, well, I, I can't afford, a, you know, a PS3, uh, PS4 right now. But, yeah. like, a lot of games that are coming out for PS4 and Xbox 360 are coming out for PC. And, yeah, you're right. That might start to increase. Yeah. So to the point where... If I was Microsoft, that's what I would do. I would treat the X1 as sort of a standard... You know, their entry level, if you will, I still think it's expensive for entry level game yeah. system. And if you really want the Primo graphics, you know, work with developers to launch their games also for PC and then develop like a freaking Mac Pro that you sell that's a PC and then have people play games on that. Yeah. And I think it's a great way to surround, um, yeah, run around the sort of PS4 being faster. But yeah. Yeah. And then just kind of keep in mind. Hire me, Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue discussion. Yay. Hi. Mom. You missed our exciting Bye. discussion about Fruly. Yeah. Fruity. I don't even know what Fruly is. Strawberry beer. Other brands are available. Yes. Oh. 
Anywho, so in other news <laughs> that happened over the past week, uh, PlayStation Vita TV was announced. That was at a. Uh, where were they? Where it was they a pre TGS. Right. Yeah. So the PlayStation Vita TV is $99, being launched in Japan, Korea, and China only. Um, plays PS Vita games, the DualShock 3 connected to the TV. Also can play um, um, PSN games. Um, can also, uh, you know, Netflix and all your other TV mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that is in, like, Apple That's TV. available in China, yeah. yeah. Netflix, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, whatever stuff they have available in those markets for, like, you know, TV streaming services. Um, and they have no plans to launch it in the U.S. or Europe. Until it sells well there. Or until it bombs there. And then they're like, wait, guys, did we offer something that was, like, a a streaming device in countries that don't have the same streaming sites? Like, Well... I mean, it's only $99. Agreed. I think they could sell it here very well. So Apple TV, I mean, uh, is also like what? Around the same price, I it's believe? It's $120 in Canada. Oh, well, then there you go. So, yeah. What are everyone's thoughts? I thought they wouldn't want to sell it here because it takes away some of the value that they the have put offers. into or the PS4 yep. ideally offers. Mm-hmm. I think if you you know offer a low-cost alternative to streaming you know like an apple tv alternative then and all the indie games yeah and all the indie games then the casual market frankly might take a look at the ps4 and say why would i pay 4.99 3.99 or 3.99 plus some other accessories that it doesn't come up come with Mm -hmm. let's be honest (laughs) to play you know maybe an extra sort of two you know call of duties a year let's say for casual people play or whatever it is Mm -hmm. when they can just buy a 99 dollar box and play psn games and Anchor also play Call of Duty on if it on, comes on, up on or the PS Vita. Vita, and then watch Netflix, and then play Dots on their iPhone. I can say that's that because Greg's not here. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a very no. That's a very. Like, vi- I think that's why. I mean, it's a very viable thing that can end up happening. You know, I mean, like when we were talking, what was it last week we were talking about it? How, um, or whatever week? Well, the Wii uh, was like that entry level for casuals, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it was easy. It was. L- cheaper. Cheap, you shake your hand. You play, right? And now here's this option, right? It's $99. Okay, it'll play all the Vita games. Mm-hmm. So, well, then- it, don't, it won't play all of them. So, like, for instance, Zero Escape Virtue's Last Ward <laughs> will not. <laughs> like, that's why I didn't mention this during the break because I knew you'd all die when I mentioned it. Won't be available on it, and neither will. So, but the I'm rolling my eyes so hard. But right the thing, okay, so games like that, and even um, this is the other thing that I find interesting is like Uncharted: Golden Abyss, Sony's flagship PS Vita game, isn't available for it because if it uses the touchscreen or the rear touchpad, not for okay. it. So. so- it doesn't play every game, and but it plays a large majority of them. It will be so available to play thirteen hundred games at launch, but that includes like everything that's on PSN. Like it's o- it's a very small number of Vita <laughs> okay. games because there's only like eighty Vita I was like, games. So it's like five Vita games, and, and then a whole bunch of PS Angry Birds seasons, and, and PS and PS one games. Yeah. So no, I'm just wondering, like when it when it says like PSN games, like. You know what range of PSN? Like, is it just Not the PS3? Indie st- is it just like the indie stuff that was it's launched? PS- classic series. Yeah, it's classic. So it'll be PS1, PS2 classics. Mm-hmm. Anything that is available for download for PSP, 
um, anything that's available for download for PS Vita or that you have on the PS Vita, like hard copies, as long as it doesn't use the rear touchpad or the touchscreen. Um, and then I don't think they even confirmed that it would play the PS4 indie stuff. Um, they haven't. They might it. limit that. Yeah. But like, I mean. Why didn't they just let people hook up their PS Vita as a controller to the PS Vita box? Like Bluetooth it? Yeah. Because the PS3 controller connects via Bluetooth. Yeah, and then you yeah. can use the touchscreens. Is this to transition but then you would PS3 have... people into? Who knows? No, but but then the weird thing. But if you had, if you, I guess it <laughs> this would product be. Product confuses me. If it might be smart <laughs> if they said, okay, if you want an entry level, it's ninety nine dollars, and you get your Dual Shock with it. Like, okay, or no, it's ninety nine dollars, and that doesn't come with a Dual Shock. No, it's just the freaking. It's box. just the box. It's just the box, right? But so if you if you had that, um, if. They could also say, if you have a Vita and you just want to play your Vita games on the TV, then yes, you can connect it and yeah. use it that way. That that might be smart, but it's not what they're doing now. I thought, And I would think there's already some way you could do it with the Bravia series of televisions, since they're both yeah. made by Sony, that you can do remote play from your PS Vita onto the television. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, that must exist. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. PS Vita fanboys, let us know. Can you hook up your PS Vita to your television? All three of you. Oh, and Michael. Hey, guys, I know all of them, and they're really good people. Sitting at no. this table, we are 33% of the PS Vita market. <laughs> no, okay, so... Ooh, girl. So it, this is, I think this is also a little interesting, too, because, you know, there was the whole debacle with the Nintendo 2DS, and people were like, whoa, this is stupid, but, you know, it was very clear who they were marketing that towards. Seven and under... Mm-hmm. Here you go. This one the is Fisher a, Price Market, yeah. as we like to call it. This one is a little bit more, kind of a gray area. I, I to me, it's less clear. It, to me, it is too, because they didn't really say. I, I don't. Uh, I think it's a smart idea, but it also kind of takes away from other things they're doing. Right. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like, who is like? Is this marketed just towards casual gamers? Like. If that's the case, then why are they not including a controller with it? Like, I, I personally understand the point of having sort of a, a home box system and then a portable system and then making your money off the license fees on your games, essentially, right? You want to just move as much software as you can by presenting multiple options to play them. That I understand, like the 2DS and the 3DS. The thing I don't really understand is when we get into the specifics of um, the, the this, this Vita TV PlayStation Asia TV Vita um, is, uh, is, is wow. sort of when you, when you sort of think about the mechanics, it's like, okay, well, some of the added value of PSV Vita games are now gone because you can't use the touchscreen. Right. So then does it become an indie game playing device? Mm-hmm. Or does it start limiting Vita development? Like if or, you're yeah, a developer, yeah, exactly. do you start saying, let's not use touchscreen, let's not use rear well, yeah. pad? And then I think, well, then why the fuck are they on the Vita now? And why are you paying for well, yeah, that? Yeah, think about why it. Why not just put it on your 3DS? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no, well, think about the what could potentially happen here. Yeah. This $99 box starts selling more than the Vita. Okay. Everyone has it. So now it's in more homes than a Vita. It means you're out of the mobile space. So now you've pretty yeah. much eliminated the Vita. You've Which kind is of- actually selling better. Then a lot of, like, there were those numbers this week that Japan with Wonderful 101 and Wii U sales and whatnot, Vita sold better oh, yeah, than Wii well, U. Well, better than Wii U. It's well, sold. yeah, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, what if this box really catches on? It's only $100. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe people are just like, I already have a 2DS or 3DS. 
I don't need another portable system, but you know, I really would like to play some of those Vita games and, and stream and indie, blah, 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 whatever. Mm-hmm. $99, here's this box, and now it's in more homes than the Vita. So what happens when the developers, they're going to start throwing away touchscreen contr- uh, stuff and the touchpad stuff because they want to make it available for the box because it's in more homes and games are selling more on the box than on the unless, Vita. Unless, what if that happens? Unless they had a thing like, I'm going to go back to this with Virgie's Last Reward and the way you control uh, it is <laughs> you, use, you use the touchscreen to move it around. That could very easily be ported to saying like, okay, you use the joystick now to navigate it. But like, still, you're kind of... It wouldn't what be, happens? It wouldn't be that much work, so I could see it as as being very easy things. Because when you think about a lot of the stuff you use a touchscreen for on a Vita or rear touchpad, by having mm-hmm. uh, like an L1 or an L1, L2, R1, R2, that yes. gives you two extra buttons, and you have L3 and R3. Mm-hmm. By giving you those extra buttons, you could map those features to the extra buttons available right, so yeah. on the Okay, Shark. yes, you can now. Okay, so basically you're saying now we can take all those Vita functionalities and just change them to work on this box. I'm saying but that now they, they're still selling more on the box than it is selling on the Vito. What happens getting, then? We're, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. No, I'm thinking I'm this saying, thing is actually going to sell well. They just, not, they're <laughs> not even sure it is. Well, no, I'm just saying what if. Yeah. This, yeah, is, a, this is a total what if scenario. Yeah. Yes, I'm going way down on the, the, the chain here, but I'm right. saying what if this happens? I, Do they be like, oh, shit. Like, To be fair, I think they're fine. I, I think... I think I think they've mapped out that scenario. I think they've mapped out the scenario where they say, okay, well, let's, so. let's let's say Vita does not sell as well as this box and this box takes off. I don't think they have a problem with a really low entry console alternative that, you know, homes across the world will pick up and play indie games. Like they're they're fine with that. I think if they can present a viable option to you know, let's say, you know, compete with iPad games, mm-hmm. let's say, then I think they'll do it. I, I, and I, I think it's a s- smart strategy for them. If they don't see their handheld market doing as well as they would hope, why not get into a low-end console market? It makes sense to me. Especially if it gets people to maybe start that and then say, maybe like, then hey, buy you, like that the, Vita. you have buy the Vita. Like, oh, because I think it would be really smart if they said uh-huh. you can transfer, like, with Monster Hunter yeah, yeah, 3 yeah. on yeah, yeah. DS and Wii U. Yeah. You could, you know, take the save data from one to the other and, hey, you like this game? You want to play it on the go? Let's pay two, uh, no, $200. Get a, get a Vita. You can take it with you. That's still cheaper than an iPad, mm-hmm. right? But you also have, like, you could have a PS Vita TV and a PS Vita for cheaper than an iPad. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's your home and your mobile and I think a lot of people forget the expense of iPads are fucking expensive. They are very expensive. I, I'm yeah, but surprised. you can use it for a plethora. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's the whole point. It's, it's, it's like, yeah. I mean, yes, I could buy a PS TV and a PS... Is it called PS TV? PS Vita TV. PS TV. Um, and then PS Vita. But, you know, like, I can't do really great word processing on it, which I actually can do on my iPad now. So yeah. there, there's, a, there's a number of other things. Um, True. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, those are kind of... Two different markets, then. but also, no. why not build it into your freaking TVs? It's a ninety-nine dollar box. Put it in your Bravia series. Just build it in. It makes perfect sense. And then, and then compete and, uh, in the smart TV market. Well, add it. Maybe in. that'll be something that comes. And then just like, say, and if you don't have a Bravia, you could buy the box for ninety-nine dollars because that would be so smart. If it just has a little slot in in the side for Vita games. Absolutely. You literally could just attach it with a grate to the back of a TV and sell it. And yeah. you could charge an extra $120 on that and make some margin. Like, just stick it everywhere you can if you're going to do it Well, this, this might be something that they actually end up doing, you know. And, um, you know, and that they are up the 
working to put the Vita more, make it more usable, I, I guess. <laughs> Um, well, with uh, sorry, I like how you say it because it's not usable at the moment. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> I meant like with the PS4 games and how you have the off-screen play option that they're going to be presenting for the PS4 games that you play yeah. on your Vita. So they're trying; they definitely are trying very hard to, you know, make this system more usable, <laughs> for lack of a better sure. accessible. Word. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think anyone, including Sony, would shed a tear if they just started using this box instead of the Vita, period. They'd just be glad they're making money. They'd be glad they're making money. And that allows them to compete with with these, um, I guess, yes. so, other things on the landscape. Yeah, so, so many. Yeah, so with that, with now what's being called as microsystems entering the market. So you have... I didn't know they were called that. Yeah, neither did I. Research is fun. Um, <laughs> so... Um, you, you have your systems like Ouya, which, uh, you know, was a... Strange kick- name. I will say yeah, that. It is. Um, it started as a Kickstarter um, and is out now and is $99. Um, and is doing terribly. Yeah. Not they weren't allowed badly. into E3. That was embarrassing. <laughs> you weren't allowed yeah. into E3? Yeah, they set up a booth outside. They set up a booth in the parking lot across the street and yeah. then security guards came and shut them yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. And said, you don't have a permit. Oh my god, my mouth is so wide open right now. I can't even believe <laughs> it. And, and you knew it was like some digital intern at one of you know at one of the big game companies in E3 being like, um, I'm here to report an illegal booth opening across the street. Ooh yeah, it's open across the street. <laughs> ooh yeah, more like ooh no. I think the pro- I think the main problem with ooh yeah and is something that we might see with more things coming at a Kickstarter is they have some good minds behind it. I don't think they had any business people though. No, no. So they had the they had the idea they had the 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 plan and you know it, it was all laid out there um, and then and it got funded and now they have the the Ouya out there and you know all eh. all, yeah. all seventy five of you yeah. got your box exactly in the it. well it's become an emulator box exactly and unfortunately that's, which is uh, it's not really a good thing no no and they keep on announcing oh Ouya is getting these two exclusives it's like mm-hmm. uh, yeah and those, those exclusives yeah. were like that's their whole uh, free the games program where they yeah. if um, a game reaches a certain amount of funding through like Kickstarter they will finish off the funding and then they get exclusivity on the Ouya. Did you hear all the yes. the scam that was going no, on with exactly. that? Exactly. So what people were doing was um were like, ooh, Ouya is gonna give us money if we start a game. So people were like making a game, quote unquote, and putting it up on Kickstarter and having people quote unquote fund it, being like, Oh yeah, look, we got our 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 mark goal. Ooh, like 85%, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And it would all be just family friends be- and family of it putting hundreds of dollars at it exactly yep. so then since Kickstarter or Ouya was planning to match whatever they raised so if they raised a hundred thousand dollars of friends and family money then Kickstarter would give them a hundred thousand and then they would fund all the money from Kickstarter and then they would just essentially get a hundred thousand dollars and then they could be like oh well we didn't actually make the game because sorry Sorry. And that's the risk you take on Kickstarter. That's the risk, right? But then, like, it's like, oh, well, development's kind of not going well, and we had to shut down. So, sorry. The main problem was that, for the Ouya itself, because, yeah, that's more the developers being questionable, but Ouya just didn't handle the situation well. They just kept standing by, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Well, And now they've got actual developers Sorry, I, I shouldn't say actual. I'm sure. Gridiron. More reliable developers. Yes, they are absolutely dropping out and saying they're 
not going near the system again. So because they got a real develop, like they got a real lawyer on staff. Maybe well, didn't they also like a lot of developers? Um, isn't it that like certain portions of the game aren't like is free every time? Like, and then if you wanted to pay like the actual full price, then you could. Wasn't that part of it? Where like yeah, you would get like part of the game for for free on Ouya like right away like and then with a lot a of the, and yeah and then with a lot of the the micro games like if you've got angry birds or something and if there's like 10, 10 worlds of of levels or whatnot yeah. i don't know how angry birds work but no you get like the first four worlds for free and with a game like angry birds fucking done at that point yeah, yeah the like, problem is the mechanic isn't usually in depth enough like security. right it's not it's not in depth enough for yeah. after you've played through through that much to then say now I'm going to buy because well, a lot of people think back to those 8-bit day games, right? Because a lot of you know, you go, okay, like you know, what, like what's Mario, for example? It's just, you just jump up and down, you know. But people love it, so you know, yeah, we can give them like four levels, and they'll love. They want to jump up and down through the next six, but then you kind of realize how much more in-depth level design is, and how big of a difference it makes. And without that sort of similar mindset being placed into a lot of these games, then you know, people don't buy the rest of it because there's no reason to. Yeah, I I don't even know any of the developers that are working on. Yeah, like, and, are there any like console type developers working on Ouya? Like any of the big names that uh, anyone where knows of? Enix released Is Final EA Fantasy gonna work on it for um, the Ouya launch because it was already available on Android. Right, it's an Android, it's an Android, Android machine, so yeah, it's not exactly. really. It's not like they made it exclusively, but they do actually. It's not like if it's available on Android, it's available there. There does have to be some upscaling for there, it yeah, to there actually make some changes. Yeah. And so it's some not stuff. So Square did put some time into it, but I don't think they're doing it anymore. Yeah, but it's just confusing to me. It's like, why are you paying ninety nine bucks to play Android Final Fantasy three on your TV when it's available across all your other platforms? On your some phone. of them in the upgraded form, like the three, the, the DS yeah. version, for example. As the but as an emulator machine, right? I, that's the other thing. Why would you pay for Final Fantasy three when you've got an emulator machine that could play that? Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like yep. counter. Yeah. If I'm gonna steal games, I'm not gonna play ninety nine dollars to steal games. Yeah. I found better ways to steal games. Yeah, like, you know, that, you know that would be the thought process. Yeah, it's just it's very weird uh, of a, a model, and, and I don't know what its future holds. But it, to be quite honest, like the, the machine, because it was done on Kickstarter, to me, it's one of those things. I have to echo Cameron. Like without that sort of business sense, it seems that you know, if you let video game fans say, you know, a lot of video game fans say, oh. Everyone's doing it wrong. Nintendo's doing it wrong. Sony's doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Microsoft's doing it wrong. We could do it I'm so much better. I know exactly what sells to gamers. I can make a box better than all these people who have, you know, collectively 100 years of business and engineering and mm -hmm. marketing and sales experience. And you make it, and you put it in the market, and you suddenly realize how vulnerable a product is as soon as you put it out. You know, people use it for a purpose you never intended it. It's like, oops, shit. <laughs> the big boys don't let you in to play with them. You get scammed out of hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars a yep. day. It's unfortunate. It's a, it's a lethal market. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so uh, along the lines of Ouya as well, there's uh, the OnLive system, which is a cloud gaming platform uh, that's integrated into some TVs and Blu-ray players. Can someone tell me how successful this actually is? Because it's been around for a while. Yeah. Quite a while. They make it sound like it's... Re it's doing really well. I don't know specifically. From what I could understand, and this was very much uh, reading articles like a year ago, started off really bad, started doing really well, and then just collapsed. And I honestly, this is the first I've heard about it in a year. Yeah. Okay. This, the reading. So is that what happened? Yeah. I remember still... when it was like the, the theory of what on live. 
could be. Goddamn YouTube commercials. I, that was the last time I, I right. heard about it. It's still it's still out there. It, like I said, it is being sold and integrated into some TVs and Blu-ray players. Um, it's you know a, a service similar to Steam, where it has like a plethora of games, and you just. But the processing is taken onto the cloud too. That's what yes. I thought on live was. So yeah, much similar to what X One. That's is why doing it's in, in Blu-ray players, right? Oh, is because okay. it's through the the internet. You're streaming it, similar to the way that um, PS uh, Three games will be on PS Four through the Gaikai, mm-hmm. which is essentially on live. But it was a separate company that Sony bought. Mm-hmm. And right. But the thing that's smart about this is Sony bought that company, and now they're actually going to put it to good use. Because mm-hmm. I think with companies like this that have good ideas can't necessarily sustain itself or like you said don't have that experience and that knowledge or an install base so now sony is going to put that uh technology to i think a good use with ps4 okay not at launch but in 2014 yeah i was just curious about what happened yeah because you know when they came i was like oh we're the new well i guess everybody wants to say that but it's like we're the new age of gaming you know we're different from these guys we believe in control to the gamer no. <laughs> yeah. With that being said, though, there are actually some other uh, systems that are on the way. Um, GameStick, which is a USB flash uh, drive dongle, uh, plugs into your HDMI slot. So kind of like the um, the Google Chrome. Uh, the Chromecast. The Chromecast. Yeah. Uh, works like that. Um, there isn't very much information about it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That, it, But it's another one that is coming into the market. Power to the gamers. Um, and Mojo, which is an uh, Android-based... Uh, <laughs> By Mad Cats. By Mad Cats. <laughs> Mad I haven't cats. seen them since they <laughs> those busted games. Yes, but, exactly. but, it, but people liked them because the buttons were closer together sometimes. Yeah. They were yeah. tinier. Yeah. Can I, is Mad Cats like a legitimate company? I oh, thought, yeah. I always thought yeah. that they were like, like that was the shit controller that you got. Like, They're that, like the biggest like distributor of like, like people yeah. actually yeah. like their controllers. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, they were, for a long time, they were the only company that got the licenses to actually yeah. do it. And then Nyko came on the yeah. scene and kind of knocked them out a little bit for, for but a like, while. But like Wii controllers, but like, I don't know of any like Nyko PS3. They were making some pretty nice like accessories for PS3 okay. and stuff like that mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, Madcast is like, it is the it's shit. like up on wow. the, the food chain in terms of like, I know it seems like the, the shit controller that you buy because <laughs> they always look well, because they could never shake. So no, it's because they could never shake their late nineties aesthetic. And, yeah. I did, and I did not exactly. even the brand, yes, like the yes. the Mad Cats, and that, and that, the, that, the, that has like a cat, with like yeah. a claw. Yeah. Like, and and so even when Nyko and Rocketfish, you know, yeah. started making things, it was kind of a more modern like aesthetic. You know, it was white, lots of white space, that sort of brand. But Mad, yeah. Mad Cats, Cats was, was still this dumbass like... little yellow logo with the with a cat scratch. So I just stupid. still look at it. I just look at it now. And you know you'll be you'll you'll be like at an EB Games, and uh, when I got my Wii U, I was like looking at getting an extra Wii controller, and they asked like, "Oh, do you want like a Mad Cat's accessories like fifteen percent off if you buy it with the console?" And I was like, giving them no. like stink eye, like give them girl, side eye, well, girl. You... I could afford a little more than that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Mad Cats, right? You know what else He's... made it look really cheap? What? Um, it always came in like a plastic <laughs> yeah, kind yeah, of casing. It, it was it, never in blister packaging. Yeah, it was yeah, in blister packaging. Never in like a yeah. box or like yeah, yeah. Yeah. like how the regular controllers are come yeah. packaged. Yeah. It's always in like this plastic casing. It's just like always I, looked cheap. I remember GameCube came in. The GameCube controllers came in in that blister packaging where it was yeah. molded perfectly to the shape of the GameCube and yeah. it hung so well on the wall. And then you look at the Mad Cats and it's like in this plastic baggie with the cardboard 
sleeve yes. at the yeah. top. Staples that staples shut. shut. It's just like. <laughs> So ghetto. ghetto. Yeah. I remember Madcast used to be the thing what my parents used to buy me. Like my dad would buy me a controller. I'm like, Dad, no, I wanted a Nintendo yeah. one. He's yes. like, but this is cheaper and it looks the same. I was like, no. no. <laughs> it does not look the same for the love of God. And, it's, and, it, it, and, and I remember any time I went to, no shade to anybody here. When I, I, when I was young and I went to my friend's house and I saw a Madcast controller, I'd be like, oh, girl. <laughs> I will say I have one Mad Cats controller. You have the GameCube one. The GameCube you? one because it's a, it's like a micro one yeah. and it's smaller and it has um it's actually a really good controller. The only Mad Cats controller I, I have. I like it. I know it's, you do. It's I know smaller you love that and one. like um the yeah, it's I just really like it. That's the only Mad Cats one. And I they like. and sometimes they would build in turbo and stuff like that yeah. on yes. the old which was amazing because you could never get those functions on a Nintendo uh, official Nintendo controller. I'm talking back in like this anyways. Mm-hmm. No, so, um, but yeah, no, I used to go over to people's homes and be like, girl, you need to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. So, yeah, I'm sure the Mojo will do great. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Sorry, that was so tangential. <laughs> but, but, but we all needed to just come on. You like, needed that moment. It, I mean, I feel vindicated. We're, all, we, we're all sort of born in the same decade here. Like we are, yeah. And, yeah. and like that. That's like the epitome of, of like late 90s, 90s gaming. gaming. Oh, is, yeah. Is the Mad, Mad Cats, Cats busted boondock controller. Yeah. And it's just Cats with a Z always it's bugged it's me. Yeah, that's yeah. the other thing. That's it's like, could we not have rebranded to MC or something like that? Yeah. Or like, why with a Z? Yeah. Right. <sighs> so, Mojo. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm oh, sure it's going to Seth. be aesthetically pleasing. So Mojo, oh, yeah. so it's going to be the plastic baggie <laughs> when you. <laughs> Ooh, so much Mad Cat shade. I did, uh, honestly, when I when I put this down, I didn't. It wasn't in the forecast. But I just it, imagine it being the size and the shape of a Sega Saturn. Yeah, and being like, don't you guys remember this? Don't you love it? It's like, uh, do you love it? How old are you? Yeah, thirteen. <laughs> Oh, sexy, sexy. <laughs> and you plug in controllers with wires into the front still like you know just really we don't have wireless or bluetooth controllers we just you plug it in you still have to plug it in oh, oh my god kind of fun they need to pick it up <laughs> even though i've never actually seen what it looks like i'm calling it this is the hipster gaming machine <laughs> so it's in development um it's android based so it's similar to ouya um it's uh you know not gonna have the you know, full Google Play Store um, accessibility, um, but it's in development. Uh, it's going to be another micro system into the space, along with Ouya, um, GameStick, whenever it makes its appearance. Um, and then, of course, the the biggest uh, that has probably the most potential out of all of them is Steambox, which uh-huh. um, I feel like pulling a steam whistle whenever you say that. <laughs> Steambox. <laughs> so Steambox is going to basically be. A box like Ouya, but will be linked to just Steam, and will play your Steam PC uh, type games, but on your TV with a controller and whatnot. So this one has, I think, the most potential. Yeah, simply for the brand that's behind it, and yeah. the and the library, insane the library, the really library. library, and the sales. Yeah, I, but the thing yeah. is, there's been nothing like, at least I haven't seen anything about this since it was like. Yeah, we're, okay, we're doing that. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, I, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything is, I, in a long I thought I was just out of the loop, but I haven't heard anything no. in a long time. From that the article I read. weird fucking stuff recently. Like, instead of instead of working on, like... Half-Life uh, 3. Half-Life 3. Oh, my God, or, Half-Life or, 3. Like, Jesus. Or, like, another Portal or, or another Left 4 Dead or, or something like that, you know? They are, what, creating trading cards for Steam 
and now they've like announced this like game sharing thing and as great as these kind of features are i feel like a lot of people are really questioning like, like great thanks for giving us stuff we didn't ask for nobody's ever wanted nobody really give uses us give <laughs> us games you were a developer first yeah and, and now a, they've become a kind of something different second are they know? a developer first anymore have they do they still stand by that as their well, who knows? I don't know, but that's what I'm saying is they, they were, were. Yeah, before, we're yeah, yeah. before yeah, Steam, I, Valve made games, and then they started Steam. Yeah, yeah. But I will and now they've completely, like... Yeah, but I would hazard to say that as a market, like a distributor, sort of distribution service, they've done more for the industry than they ever did as a developer. They made incredible games, Portal, like... Their big really games are games. incredible. You don't think that Half Life changed I think the life industry? Changed. I think it changed yeah. the industry, but I think Steam changed it more. I mean, look at what's going on with Steam the PlayStation Ooh, I don't know. Or Xbox. But I think yeah, it's... I don't know. Their games really did change. They did, but it did. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm yes, gonna Steam stick by did a lot for PC distribution, and it's doing Absolutely. a lot for Xbox and PlayStation right now. Yeah, but before Steam, you have to go back to, like, their roots and with mm-hmm. what they did with, like, I mean, Half-Life was... Yeah. Yeah. Half-Life right? was Half-Life. It was. Half-Life like, definitely is. You know, oh, I mean, Half-Life that was a, a huge, especially for, like, look at all the first-person shooters we have now, and mm-hmm. you know, what we, the first-person shooters that we had before, like Doom, Doom. Quake, mm-hmm. um, Unreal Tournament, and then we had Half-Life, and then it kind of really changed after that, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely I, right, though. I, they did a lot for distribution, but I think what they did for the gaming space was, I say, more okay. like kind of a, I mean, just the whole, on a whole. Well, I, I think Steam for them was was a next logical was was a logical step because they they were pretty much foremost PC developers from like yeah. way way back. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. I think they as a company they ran into a lot of challenges with publishing, you know, accessing their audience, you know, trying to let people know, you know, how you can buy your game, what system requirements it was you would need. I think they saw it Problems. still exists in the PC market. Like, there's just huge fragmentation yeah. of information. And so by putting a standard in, which is what Steam is, they just created their own standard mm-hmm. and said, you know, you go through these you, these loopholes, but as, lo- as long as you go through them, you're going to get distributed. And so that was great. And they did it in a response, I think, to some frustrations they probably felt as a mm-hmm. developer. And it was so well done because it was informed by developer experience, you know, working in the landscape for a decade. Right. I think with the re- most recent releases, uh, the reason I think, you know, we're kind of we're, we're kind of saying this is that even Steam for them was sort of a developer first approach. You know, like we want to get we want to help developers get their games out there. Kind so of like doing the Steam. approach that people with Wii had kind of. In some ways, in some ways. But, yeah. you know, I, there's for me, there's a difference between sort of like the audience thinking they can build a machine as opposed to the developers at the well, core. No, yeah, developing I just mean the like platform. that kind of agreed. agreed. Right. But I, I will say I think the problem is right now what they're doing is people don't see what they're doing now as necessary because they haven't made a game in recent history that has made their new ideas necessary. You know, like the logic isn't there for them. Portal 2 came out when? 2011? I don't remember. When did I move into my apartment? Because that's when we played it and screamed like some crazy bitches. It was was (laughs) 2011. It was was 2011, yeah. Right, and here we are almost 2014 with, like, not even something's in development with just silence. 
I think they probably have something in development, and they're probably just keeping it that under wraps. Isn't Halfway Three no longer in development? I all I know is that Gabe Newell was talking with J.J. Abrams about making a Portal or Half Life movie. Yeah, that's all I know. I heard that yesterday. Oh goodness! But correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't yeah. Steam in response to? Wasn't there a distribution service before Steam? I, th- I can't. I I, I can't yeah. remember. But I remember called? it was linked to my IGN account and yeah. like you could Games GameSpy. Was GameSpy? Yeah. GameSpy that... tried to launch into it because they also did an online. But which one came first, GameSpy or GameSpy started first because yeah. GameSpy was the only way you could actually play online games with people for a so. long time. Yes. It was like a, a gaming. Network. It was like an online network that kind of like was like a back, ran in the background to let you play like yes. some games that didn't yes. allow that online or or just it was kind of like the online service and then it became a distribution and yeah the problem is it, it became super dated like they never caught up with what the aesthetic in my opinion anyways was sort of what the aesthetic and what people demanded from a service at that point in time and then steam came in it was like kind of shiny it was new it was simple it was clear and games five was not simple by any means. Yeah. I went, what? Oh, man. There was some game I remember playing on that and having to, like, link with people to play online. Ugh, I wish I could remember. If I remember, I'll, I'll spit it out randomly in the middle of the episode. <laughs> but, yeah, I totally remember that. Um, so... But, yeah, I, mean, I, I hope it... But, yeah, I, I hope it comes out. Because yeah. there's a lot of games on Steam that I want to play, like Bioshock, mm-hmm. but I don't really want to... You don't have a PC? Well, we, we do now, but oh. I, I don't... I don't play a lot of games on my PC except Guild Wars. Because yeah. I'm a console gamer, so going onto yeah. a PC for me is like, oh, it's so shaky. Yeah, the, and the thing that I don't like about PC gaming, and I'm sure I would get heat from this, I don't like using the keyboard. Like, ASDF, is that what it is or something? WASD? Whatever. Like, it's their keys. Girl, that has nothing. It's WASD. It has nothing to do with PC gaming. It's it's a keyboard. Yeah, (laughs) I don't like that about PC gaming. That's what I'm saying. Is I don't like about it. Yeah, and then you go with people who love PC gaming because of the keyboard (laughs) and the mouse. You could always plug in a controller. Yeah, you can. They make USB controllers and Blue Blue Shock Bluetooth. You can hook up a (laughs) Blue Shock. Um, yeah. But for instance, Final Fantasy fourteen PC game. I know you said you can that hook you up can a controller keyboard, to it, but you also said you can hook up a keyboard to PS three, and that mm, I don't. You, I just don't, don't. Well, like. a keyboard when you're playing on console kind of is essential because you need to chat with people. So without being able to have that, you're kind of useless. Or maybe you can hook up your PS Vita and tap the, the letters. What in about it. can you can you use a hey? Blue you can use a headset, headset, but nobody chats in MMO games unless you know the person. Like, we'll talk on Skype when we play, yeah. Cameron and I, but... Because, like, a lot of times you have to go into, like, random dungeons with This is why I don't people. play MMOs, It's guys. just so we actually feel like we're playing with each other. Yeah. <laughs> but, anyway. We're playing with each other, but we look so much prettier. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, sorry, quick introduction. Guild Wars 2 right now, so I name my lar- character Lady Turquoise. Okay, that's Lady the name of my... Lady Turquoise! That's, that's the name of my Guild Wars 2 Mesmer. And now, because I've been playing with Phil and Cameron, and we all want to look great, so we yesterday finally bought Turquoise Dye, and we all made our characters Turquoise. So now I'm Lady Turquoise and her two beefy gay bodyguards. And we took a screenshot on top of, like, near a waterfall yesterday. <laughs> Show notes? Yeah. Show notes. Show notes. Oh my! So God. random. Super gay though. So gay. <laughs> Super gay. Are two beefy bodyguards. Yeah, they're both beefy buff guardians. Yeah. <laughs> who show their right nipples? 
Always the Only right the right nipples. Yeah, it's the way oh the armor cuts. Oh my goodness. Ooh. Anyway. Grand Theft Auto Sexy. Tangent City. Tangent yeah. City. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Keeping on track here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, we started talking about GameSpy for a yeah, while. Yeah, anyways. Mo- like, we're done with Steambox. So. I think we're, we've discussed those points, yeah. too. <laughs> um, so. With all with the, all these changes into the market and um, you know microsystems and now we have the PS Vita TV. Um, if we remember a while back, Nintendo announced that they had merged their hardware um, departments. So before it was like there was their portable hardware space and then their um, uh, home, home console, console hardware space and the two didn't really talk to each other and they said they joined them together so they can talk to each other more mm-hmm. and it got me thinking about like you know the we like just con- console development for nintendo you know they do really well with the mobile the portable space they have always dominated that market they've had many people yeah. try many people have tried and they have just always dominated that space. And then the home console, not so much. So, you know, and, and Nintendo as a company has to pretty much self-support their systems with their own games. Because, yeah. well, at least more so now, because they don't get as strong third-party support. So it got me thinking, you know, what if their plan with, you know, going forward is to kind of create their next system to be something of a merging of a portable and a console in just one just one console that does both and then when you kind of look at it because you have the wii and then you have the wii u and the wii u as we know is a, is a giant 3ds right so it's a giant ds yeah pretty much yeah so it, it's a giant ds um you know what if they were trying to maybe transition to just having the one system like what if they made a system like that was kind of like the Wii U. You know, you have a home co- home console base. Mm. Um, it plays all the games, and then the controller was kind of like the tablet or like a 3DS mm. or, or some kind of new something that they come out with. And mm-hmm. the controller is an actual portable device, and it plays the game in its entirety on the portable. So you have they only need to release the game once. So, for instance. Fire Emblem. Right. Okay. Fire Emblem comes out. It comes out just for the one console. You can play it at home. Then you can play it on your portable. Then you can come back home and play it. Or you can just only play it on one. Hmm. Or you can only just play it on this. Or you can just buy the the portable controller that is an actual portable system at a cheaper price and just play all the games just portable. That's very complicated to me. I have to think about it for a bit. But isn't that what the PS4 and PS Vita are trying to do with yeah. remote play? Yeah. But with with remote play there, you do need the internet connection. It's not just the one game. It's not like you pop your PS4 disc into the, your right. PS. Oh, so you need to like... But so uh, you need to be connected to the internet. So it's, it's kind of similar to um, like... Uh, Wii U, where let's say someone wants to watch TV, but you still want to play, you use the off TV play. But use right? the internet to do it, uh, or it might be Bluetooth. Oh, but okay. it, it uh, because with uh, PSP, you could connect to PS3 and do um, remote play, and PS Vita can also connect to PS3 and do remote play. Um, yes. So yeah, it seems like it's trying to do the same thing as as Wii U. Well, 
what I want to know basically is what do you okay so if this was I something I mean it's a crazy move it's something if something like this would happen what would the benefits you think would Nintendo would have from launching such a platform I'll start with you James I mean they could I mean the the sort of most obvious benefit to me is that they could easily take their handheld market which is huge and you know has great numbers and try to move home consoles with that existing consumer base so they don't have when they do release this all in one, then they could at least then access the, the consumer base they've built with, let's say, the 3DS, and then just sell them. Like, this is your next portable. You can also play it at home, however. And yeah. just, it's all in one, and then you can you can sell it that way. So that's the benefit I see to it. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the disadvantages. What do you think any um, advantages would be to having, like, one system? If they were to go that route, this is, of course, all just what-ifs. Michael. Um, I'm still kind of confused on what the system. So okay, is. so you have like like I get okay. So I get that there's the the two controllers. I think that it would be useful if um you could so ima- if you only had to buy a game once and you could have it both on home and to go. I think that's that's great. But I think that the the value from that um is is in the fact that you get to only you only have to buy things once and that you you get to to put it in both places, I just don't ever picture that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I Nintendo as much. Well, remember, like, okay, so with this concept again, this is just like you're you're kind of trying to basically tackle two markets, right? At the same time with one system, um, and w- one of the issues, especially right now, right for Nintendo is making games in a timely manner for both systems you know they kind of have to support two systems with you know all their development parties so when you think of like um the release schedule that the 3ds had just this year Mm -hmm. there was an on slew of games between january and still up till now right and then you had Wii U had, had had nothing. Yeah. Now imagine if those two libraries were merged together, all in one system. Yeah, yeah. And you know it would just have now essentially more games, quote unquote. And you know you now you have two ways in which to play them. Mm-hmm. So now you could play Pikmin Three on the go, and then you can play it when you come home. I mean, if they could engineer something to handle that, then that's that's great. I mean, my my obviously the, the challenge I see is how do you do that? Well, of taking course. it on the go, right? And oh, then, yeah, absolutely. And then if you you know, then if they say, okay, well, then in, in one disc, let's say, and, and you know what, this, this, you know, this could be for any console maker out there. Let's, let's keep, you know, in, in that sense. I mean, Nintendo just has some news that, that you know, makes us think they might do something like this. Yeah. But let's say if you put something on a disc, like Pikmin 3 or Mario 3D World or whatever it is, and you say, okay, so on this disc, there's content for when you're at home, and you can play you know, at home. And then if you want to take it to go, then your controller or whatever ends up mm-hmm. downloading some content from the disc, and then you can take that portable. The way I see Nintendo working is that they'll say, okay, that's great, but we're still going to need almost one and a half as times as many people to develop just that portable content. Because that's how they work. That's how they, they, they always work. They always look at their hardware and they say, how do I make the most of this? So mm-hmm. with the 3DS, you know, what what's fun about going portable? What is a portable yeah, exactly. you know, lifestyle like? And then they develop content specific to that lifestyle. So, the, so yeah. I see some challenges there. Because yeah. they also did say that they were looking at doing a Pikmin for 3DS and they... Like and any other company would just say, well, we have these properties. 
they should be on both platforms. There should be a Pikmin for 3DS and a Pikmin for Wii U. That way, everybody can get Pikmin, you know, that sort of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we tried a lot of concepts, and it just didn't feel like Pikmin. So we're not doing it, <laughs> right. right? But that's the thing. Is, it's is nice to any... be able to do that. Well, I just don't like it, so... Like, that's what Miyamoto we're said. We're not going to do it. That's what Miyamoto <laughs> said. He was just like, we tried a lot of different things. Like, we spent, like... You know, a year and a half trying stuff out, and it just didn't feel like Pikmin. It felt like something else, but not Pikmin. And like, yeah. you know, so Nintendo's kind of fickle about about that. So mm-hmm. I agree with James about they have these ideas where if they develop something portable, they think about taking advantage of portable portal things. space. In, yeah. in terms of Street Pass and and Spot Pass, you know, I guess there's Spot Pass on Wii U, but they're specifically developed for ideas about being portable and and connecting with people that way and then you have Meverse at home for you know connecting with people when you're sitting down and when you're drawing and when you're well you think of Meverse of course it's coming to 3DS yeah I understand so, what you're trying to say. It's like, wouldn't it be awesome if, you know, you could take the, let's talk about like, if you could take the Wii U controller, go out, play games, street pass people, and then take it home, yeah, and then the, it, it pings to your console, and then your friends list gets updated with yeah. the people you meet on the street. Like, that, there, that I completely I think just, understand. I, again, like, yeah. I know this is a complete, like, you know, what if situation that I had thought up in my head. Yeah. Um, just before I go on any further, I want to hear from Cameron what your thoughts were on the... Uh, I think it's an interesting idea, but I think that's developing for today's market space. I I don't know that in three years, two, three years from now, I don't, personally, I don't feel that portable is going to be anything like it is right now. With the way that phones and other devices like that have very quickly in the past few years just eaten up the marketplace, will that continue and to the point that they absolutely have everything, or will it or will it peak? I don't know. I just. I think that gamers uh, like uh, people like us want buttons. Still. Are we enough? Uh, we well, have been we're for enough a long right time. now. So, like, uh, we're still are you enough? Making... Are you enough to sustain? It's enough to sustain a company like Nintendo. I would say. Yeah. Is it enough to sustain Portable or satiate Ubisoft's appetite? Is it enough to satiate Activision's appetite? EA's appetite? Of course not. Yeah. They already de- they already develop for they don't even develop for the 3DS. See, yeah. So this is this is Unless the other it's Skylanders, of course. You know, <laughs> Jesus. So Christ. this is the other thing that I'm that you know part of what I was thinking of you know this I think is would be a, a good idea for Nintendo because you know they're not getting the third party support you know and when it comes to like DS games most of the good games are from Nintendo and, and same for Wii U you know they're not getting the strong three um, third party support. Mm. Um, and they're having to split their focus on two different systems. So mm-hmm. if they kind of came up with a way to just have it just one and can kind of do both with just the one game, I think if they could find a way in which that it works, um, that it would be really good. Because there are their opportunities like, you know, with Street Pass. Yeah. You know, Street Pass people, and then you come home, and then you could... Yep. Imagine playing like some... Like you could play Street Pass type games, but made for like the like a home console like on Wii U and the type of mini games that they could come up with. Yeah, know? no, that I, I mean, I feel like even now I should be able to tap my 3DS onto my Wii U and then when I'm playing Pikmin, like, oh, that's someone I street passed. Look at him yeah. in the distance dying from a lack of oxygen. <laughs> like, I, I think all those, I think it is it's, it is, a, it is a good idea. Um, but there's always the disadvantages, of course, to something like that. Yeah, well, there's tons of disadvantages. Yeah. yeah. So... 
Anyways, that was just my thought. I think it's cool. I, I want to see. Uh, maybe it is the correct response to how things are going. I don't know. I Like I said, I think for me personally, I think it would be a good idea for them because, you know, they can focus all their attention on one system. And if people want to play it at home, boom. People want to play it portable. Here you go. And then then they can just kind of bombard more games onto the... Yeah, I think both. <laughs> it, is, it is something that could be a more viable option now that... And something new and completely you, different. You can have, um, you know, uh, you can buy memory, like digital, like memory at such a cheap price now yeah, yeah. where mm-hmm. you could have the amount of space that's on a disc on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. I think the, the Switch might be going... Uh, away from disc and going to cartridge back games to, back where, to where cartridge like where, like like <laughs> yeah you like, never so, know okay, imagine imagine like you have uh an sd card which it wouldn't be but like uh, a 3ds cartridge or like yep, whatever yep, the next yep, thing is yep. and you that's the thing where you, put you have in. the home thing you pop it in there exactly. and you have the other one because there's no way they're gonna be like guys Pop a disc in on the go. Discs are guys, so fucking guys. Well, you have to do it in a meaningful <laughs> way because now it just sounds like the PS Vita TV. Well, guys, the, the internet does exist. I'm pretty sure just downloading and transferring. Well, yeah. That way will be the way. If this happens, yeah, that will be that the It's not going to be a disc. It's not going to be a thumbstick. That would it's be, going to you know, be downloads. something else as well. You know, it would be because, you know, now they're really Bluetooth. focusing on digital downloads, right? So that might mm-hmm. be something that. You know, if they realize, you know, this is really working, this is something that we can do, you know, they're trying to merge. They're doing a lot of merging of things. I just don't like the idea of downloading my I know. 10 gigabyte game. I don't I don't like that. Yeah, I, I really don't like that. Well, no, I think they if have I get forced because into it's it, kind of like carrying a hundred dollars worth of cash with you in your pocket. <laughs> that's what that's the feeling I get because I'm yeah. old <laughs> when when you've downloaded like all of these games are on the system downloaded that's yeah. all value that's that's there right i mean the simple solution is just have an account system but yeah. Ta-da. yeah but anyway it's not, it's so not like i said that was just my random thought tell us uh, i would definitely love to know everyone's thoughts on on that do you think this is a uh, something that maybe nintendo is going for do you think that i'm like way off and you're like oh, that's stupid um Throw your, throw your uh, two cents in either on Facebook or tweet us. Definitely would love to hear about it. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, Michael's going to take us through a moment in time through Tales. So, okay, welcome back, everybody. Um, We are now Sans Cameron, um, who unfortunately had other commitments that he had to head off to. But we're going to, yeah, we're going to break into some Tales of Tales. Tales of Tales Studio, actually. (laughs) So here's the breakdown. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, Namco Tales Studio, which is the developer of the Tales of Games, um, was originally called Wolf Team and was owned by a company called Telenet in Japan. Uh, it was formed in 1987 by a guy named Masahiro Akashino. And in 1990, um, it's kind of had a, I guess, turbulent... Um, it's, it's had some restructuring over the years. So in 1990, Wolf Team was merged with another Telenet subsidiary called Lasersoft. And in 1993, it was absorbed 
back into telling <laughs> um so like and this is all before the first tales game came out like mm-hmm. at this point they were doing many other games so most of that original staff left so if you're a tales fan you probably didn't really even know these people um so then those who remained were programmer uh yoshiharu gotada uh designer masaki norimoto director joe asanuma and these three currently make up Tri-Ace, um, and they're oh. the creators of Star Ocean, Valkyrie Profile, and Resonance of Fate. Um, and then also uh, at Wolf Team at that time, sound composer uh, Motoi Sakuraba, uh, who's worked with the Tri-Ace guys mm-hmm. and composed many of their games, uh, uh, as well as some others, including uh, Baton Kaidos. Yes. And um, some levels in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Really? Yes. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, that's but random. The more you know. Right? Um, that's what I'm trying to bring here. Is a, little, <laughs> a little trivia knowledge. A little education. That may come up in a trivia episode later. Jesus. Wink, wink. And then um, there was also sound designer uh, Ryota Fra- Furuya. And um, so the game developed by Wolf Team uh, was originally called Tail Fantasia. And uh, hmm. they were looking for um, uh, a publisher for the game. They were a fairly small studio. Mm-hmm. And they approached Enix first, which is now Square Enix. And uh, so they passed on it. So Tails could have been a, a Enix. Yes. Which would have then ended up being a Square Enix game. Yes. Well, thank God, because it would have ruined it with the 13th it, well, iteration of Tails. Not just that, <laughs> but it also wouldn't... I just don't feel like the game would have been the same because, you know, they... Uh, they passed on Enix and they ended up going to Namco and Namco insisted on heavy revisions to the game, including calling it tales of Fantasia. So, you know, it might not have even launched into a whole series, but the thing with the revisions that they wanted, it ended up that a lot of that staff there, the Triace guys left after that. And, um, they formed Triace. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, Wolf Team restaffed, and they kept some of the old departures on on a freelance basis, such as uh, Motoi Sakuraba, the um, uh, sound composer, um, like you know, who's worked on some of those other games, and he's contributed heavily to a lot of the Tales games over the years. Um, so they, uh, Wolf Team, released uh, numerous titles under that name, including Tales of Fantasia, Tales of Destiny, and. Uh, a lot of other stuff like you've never heard of. I was going through all of this stuff and they did a lot of crap that no one knows. Ever, and now they are like specifically tales, tales, mm. tales of. So in 2003, this is kind of where it becomes specifically the tales studio. And since then they've only done like two other games. <clears throat> and so they became nail Namco tales studio. Um, this was because Namco owned 60% of the company at the time. Pelinet owned 34% of the company, and series producer uh, I.G. Kikuchi uh, owned 6%. Mm. He received that because he used to be with Pelinet, and then he moved. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tales of Symphonia was released in 2003, and that's regarded by most as like the quintessential game yeah. in the Tales mm-hmm. series. Best one. Yeah. Um, and so it sold over 900,000 copies worldwide. Um on the GameCube, plus an additional 400,000 copies in Japan. Uh, I couldn't actually find out where else, um, like, what uh, the PS2 numbers were worldwide. But it's funny, because when you look at the sales numbers in Japan for the series, even though most people regard Tales of Symphonia as, like, the quintessential game, Tales of Destiny and Tales of Destiny 2 are the highest-selling games in Japan by, like, 
far by like a few hundred thousand units. Tales of uh, of Symphonia on GameCube only sold like four hundred thousand, or like I said, four hundred thousand units so, in Japan. Tales of Destiny came out before Symphonia. Here's the breakdown of the dates. So Tales of Fantasia came out in 1995 for SNES. Uh, and then Tales of Destiny, 1997 for PlayStation 1. Tales of Eternia in 2000 uh, for PlayStation as well. Mm-hmm. Then you had Tales of Destiny 2, which was for PS2. And then they were rebranded as Namco Tales Studio. Okay. So like I would say probably, I guess in Japan it was more well-known at that time. And then I think once it came over, well, it was already here, but um, the one, Symphonia. Symphonia was was kind of like... It was a big one. It was was the introduction to the Tales series, really, really here. For the U.S., really, it was. And I think another thing that probably made it as popular as it was is that the GameCube was so starved for JRPGs. Exactly. So when Symphonia came, every, like... JRPG fan that had a GameCube bought this game. Yeah. Like snatched it right up. It was it was advertised like on the back of my box. It's like 80 hours of content. Like one of the first JRPGs for GameCube. Like that yeah, sort of absolutely. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, that's uh the the early kind of schedule of releases. And obviously there has been so many games since and a lot of which actually haven't made it to North America. Um so the PS2 version of Tales of the Abyss, which has since been ported to 3DS has sold over 734,000 copies worldwide. I wonder how much it sold on 3DS. That I don't know. That'd be um, interesting to know. But uh, in April 2006, Namco purchased Telenet's portion of the company, giving them a 94% share, and they now own all 100% of the company. So Namco um, just owns Because Telenet actually you know, went under, and so they just bought that yeah. portion of it and so they fully own tales and there's actually a little drama drama coming up um, <laughs> uh oh so that's april 2006 um tales of vesperia which was released in 2008 yeah 2008 and then 2009 for playstation 3 um was actually published by atari in europe uh, which i thought was kind of oh, strange. strange even though okay so think about it this way it's a Namco-owned studio. Namco Bandai is a publisher, mm-hmm. but yet they didn't publish the game in Europe. Atari did. Like that to me was yeah. Just sometimes the... there's there's other games too that do weird shit like that. Where even like... when the the company is owned by a publisher, I like makes no sense to me. Who knows? But it happened. So um, Vesperia sold six hundred thousand copies worldwide. By most, it's regarded as one of the lower selling. Um, uh, Tales games of all time because if you look at the fact that um, Symphonia sold 900,000 copies on GameCube mm-hmm. and 400,000 copies in Japan and Vesperia only sold 600,000 copies worldwide it's like 660,000 mm-hmm. or something but still pretty low um, and it's lower than it could be because the PS3 release never came to North America Yeah, um, the PS3 release in Japan is like the fourth highest selling Tales game in Japan of all time. Because they never played it. But yet nobody plays. So the the weirder thing is that Vesperia is the second highest 360, uh, highest selling 360 game Was of all time. Was the number one time. Blue Dragon? No. In Japan, the number one is Star Ocean. Oh. Um, but it's the second highest selling 
360 game in Japan with only 204,000 copies sold. Girl, do you do we not remember? They were moving like 800 Xboxes a week. At the yeah. Like, didn't the, <laughs> the numbers this week, didn't it say there was like 116 new Xbox 360 sold if, if, last month well, in Japan? That's that's a miracle. Right. Really, <laughs> when you think about it. I mean, this that system just does not do well there at all. So, but. yeah, they've started to kind of realize. I think they were trying to use that as a way to push 360s didn't happen ported it to ps3 and then you know now series producer hideo baba has said you know what no more we're, xbox. <laughs> no more xbox no more no, we're only putting it on systems that have a really high install base for jrpg fans we're only putting it where the people want to see it we're done trying to put it where they'll move to because they just didn't mm-hmm. um although so, symphonia i mean worked in the complete opposite Right, they put it on the system that had the least install base and then sold the most. True, but I guess it was a. But I guess the JRPG fans were still there, and they, they were, were still so there, and they were starved. starved. Right, that's like, the thing. I need a JRPG. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's the difference, right? Is three sixty fans aren't typically JRPG fans. Well, in J- well, in Japan, it's, or it's like a totally in, no. Uh, in Japan, that's what they were trying to. That's what for. they were trying to do. But in North America, definitely not. Yeah, they don't give a fuck. You know, no. Sony is still a Japanese company. Nintendo is still a Japanese company. Yeah, not the same. For yeah. Microsoft, obviously. So yeah. um, then we move on to Tales of Graces, or I think it's pronounced Gracies. <laughs> anyway, so Tales of Gracies, 2009, uh, originally a Wii title, actually, yeah. and then which never ported, came over here. Ported to really? PS- yeah, they should have. Ported to PS3 as Tales of Graces F. They should have. I did not know that. I know. Like the, the the Wii was so JRPG starved. Yes. I it had so no was. idea why Nintendo did not take it upon themselves to, to publish, publish the goddamn game here. Well, because Tales of Symphonia: Dawn of the New World probably did so poorly. But that was also a shitty game. Agreed. Like that. Oh. Like you can't put a shitty game. I mean, this is what always. This is what happens with Nintendo, starting with the Wii generation mm-hmm. people always put shitty games on the system mm-hmm. and they go oh it didn't sell we <laughs> was like the shovelware system exactly yes. the amount of like garbage garbage like i mean like i mean not even just like garbage but like the controls like they didn't even like try i'm talking like the the effort and quality that some of these games had were yeah. like even less than mobile games because you go and you try to use like motion controls for some of them and it just didn't fucking work like yeah but, it yeah. was just pitiful. And the thing that pissed me off about Dawn of a New World, they didn't even have the original voice actors. So, like, Lloyd doesn't sound like Lloyd. Yeah, it doesn't. Like, um, Sheena doesn't sound like Sheena. It is just horrendous. Anyway. So, um, Tales of Graces, hard. which was released in 2008, I think I said, or, uh, no, 2009, uh, sold 800,000 copies worldwide. So, it's done... Pretty well is this Grace's itself. or Grace's F? This is both. I think this is Grace's and Grace's F. Oh, because it, Grace's was Japan only. Yeah. So um, I think Grace's F was here. Grace's F was that just here. came out what? Uh, last August. Yeah. Like 2012. August. Yeah, it took a bit. Um, Wait, what was the game Zillia. that just came out? Oh, Zillia. Sorry. So until 2012, the studio Namco Tail Studio remained a subsidiary of Namco Bandai. However. Tail Studio went bankrupt, and now it's actually an in-house studio at Namco. So it's fully inside mm. Namco. 
it's I don't think it's even la- labeled as Tales so Studio it's anymore. Namco decides to make a Tales game. Yes. Which they still do because it's one of their only things that's still that and Soul Calibur. S- yeah. Soul Calibur and um They do Pac Man every now and then. Which is developed by Tales Studio. <laughs> yeah. Wait, isn't, isn't Tekken Namco as well? Who makes Tekken? Oh, it's Tecmo. No, it's it's Namco. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, Tekken is Namco. Oh. So But there's not much for Namco. So um that was in 2012 that happened. So then Tales of Zelia, which is the uh, uh, most recent Tales release in North America, has already sold almost 900,000 copies worldwide, which is pretty impressive considering its North American release mm-hmm. was just over a month ago. Um, mm. So, um, yeah, Tales producer Hideo Baba said uh, that the series <laughs> will only stick to PS3 for the time being uh, because, and quote, that is the console where most of the users want to play Tales games. Um, so, like, they're even saying That's no to they're saying no to PS4 right now. They're saying no to Wii U right now. They're saying no to everything because um, I do think that this series is in kind of a delicate balance of one major one bad, flop, yep, and Namco pulls the plug. Mm-hmm. You know, isn't that? It's just so crazy about like games now. Is like just one, just one bad release. You're done. I know. Unless you're Square Enix. <laughs> and then you make it <laughs> you a can, trilogy. And then you can do three bad releases. And then it's okay. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so as for uh, PS4, you know, Hideo Baba has said that he is excited for it, but they won't develop until they start to see a larger install base. Um, so recently, Namco announced an entirely new Tales game for iOS, and that's Tales of Link, which we talked about on the podcast recently. Um, little has really been said about the game, but other recent developments bring new and exciting questions to the franchise. Um, Tales of Fantasia for iOS was announced this week uh, for Japan, uh, as well as a game Tales of Biblioteca. Biblioteca. Yeah. And uh, which is actually being developed by Jupiter, the developers of The World Ends With You. When are they making oh. a sequel for that game? They're not. They're not. Its sequel was being featured in Kingdom Hearts uh, Dream Drop Distance, most likely. Yeah. Really? They, they're not. I it sold well. Game. It did great. Like, that game was just so good. Ugh. But it's just such an example of Square Enix being like, something that sells well? No. No. No, we're going to put all our money into Lightning Returns. <laughs> The boob physics guys. I think there's a part of Square Enix that can't stand. Can, they cannot stand that their flagship is doing worse than their new then, spin-offs. Yeah. Like Bravely Default is doing really well. I think part of Square Enix is a little bit upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. They don't want it. So um, Biblioteca is an anthology of previous Tales game stories uh, with interactive interactive elements uh, like narrative sequences and whatnot and boss battles. So, so is it an iOS game? It's an iOS game. So it sounds like you'll... So the first one that's coming out is Tales of Vesperia. So I think you'll go through the whole story of Tales of Vesperia and do boss battles throughout. But I bet you just tap the screen. No, they're going to... They're they're redoing it. And again, it's from the world ends with you, developer. So I imagine they're going to be like, you swipe we shit swipe. and you do... And one hand's doing swipe this. Swipe up to do this. Swipe down One hand's to do doing this. that. Because if you remember how crazy Twooey was... Like, so why can't they just make the world ends with you instead? Don't yeah. I mean, I mean, if we're talking about stuff that I mean, that's a prime example of taking making something 
that no one asked for using resources that are taken away from something that everybody was asking for. Well, the thing <laughs> is, is, okay, because Namco is, you know, probably hired um, Jupiter. Jupiter to do this, and Square Enix won't hire Jupiter to make a new well, movie. That's, that's the issue, I think. Yeah. Um, too busy paying for... So, yeah, yeah, it starts with Vesperia as the first, like, entry in the library, and then... Um, also, why Vesperia? Yeah, that's oh. another weird... Not Why not Well, because it's probably, it's like... Because they're doing the Symphonia uh, re-release for PS3, which is coming out later this year for PS3, which again makes me, which so upsets excited. me. I'm so excited. It didn't Symphonia. sell well on Sony systems. It sold the most on Nintendo, and then but, you're getting the shaft again. But now there's the largest install base. It would be you the know, Wii, actually. The, yeah, that's there's true. Ten, the Wii. There's like the the Wii but is for, the most bought, con- and and soon after that is actually the 360. Yes, but in terms of people who are going to buy and play this game. Not so much. They have. They don't have a system built for the Wii U. It would make no sense to release this one game on Wii U when they have. Well, no, not Wii U. They can still release it on Wii. But they have, you know, everything for the PS3. You know, there they release I, I a mean, lot. They know. I know, well. but just going with their words, going to the largest install base. Well, you're not. No, the no, it's, install it's, base is. It's that the the console where the most users want to play Tales games. Oh, okay. So okay, I guess that makes. I guess. That's why when Fine. I think when they switched was when they they tried 360 with Vesperia. Didn't work. They tried Vesperia on PS3 and it was really popular. You know, oh, yeah. like I said, it's like a really high selling game there. So anyway, uh, and then there's going to be 11 additional chapters, which are um, other Tales games entries. Mm. Uh, and they'll be paid DLC, but I think it's only going to be like two bucks per her thing but you go through yeah a lot. we'll see what happens there um so the question i'm asking is what does this mean for namco is this an attempt to try Jesus. and monetize all aspects of the tales franchise yes yes they just want to make more money I, what I, makes you say that i think generally speaking i find that this is my opinion shoot me if you want i just find that a lot of um console developers that release iOS or mobile games is just a money grab. Like, it's not really there to add anything more. It's just like, hey, you like this, play this. Like, when Square releases all the Final Fantasies on, like, iPad, on iPhone, and all this stuff, they're not making any new ones. They're just kind of giving you the old stuff and just to make money to me it's kind of mobile game development and specifically like in this case it's kind of taken the place of when people used to buy action figures for series they really like so mm-hmm. you know a movie would come out you know like gi joe oh we're gonna figures. we're gonna release you know gi joe movie action figures and then you know kids buy it up mm-hmm. and parents buy it for the kids because it's like four bucks an action figure and they love the series yeah. to me it's kind of there's a parallel there and i can't quite articulate right now but it's but it's kind of yeah yeah no but even with this ios market i mean it's like oh you know yeah oh yeah you guys love tails here's a three dollar piece of tails yeah. that you can keep on your phone you know to, to me it, it's, it's kind of it, i mean okay like but what about okay so biblioteca perhaps right yeah. but what about um and then obviously the port of tales of fantasia i think even more so biblioteca yeah. will actually be it's um, not that there will be necessarily new content but you it's know, a new way. It's, to it's play. a new way to play, and it's putting a lot of things in one place. But Tales of Link is a wholly new um, game. Like, game for iOS. Yeah, 
I mean, which we don't know. We don't know anything, anything about, about it. it. But the thing is, is that it is still a whole new game, unlike Square Enix, which ports of ports of ports. I mean, yeah. if it's so, level five is making this whole new RPG. I can't remember the name right now, Rating but seven. No, another one. It's a. It's like a JRPG, but they're making it for iOS, Android, 3DS, Wii U, PS4, and X1. I think oh. like it's just ported across, and the 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 games will talk to each other, but they're building their own ecosystem. Oh, okay. And so if it's done well, which level five, you know, I trust they will do it well. Then it'll be an awesome game. So this is the same thing with Tales of Link. I've never never seen Namco um, enter the mobile space with an RPG before, so I, I will have to withhold my judgment until I see more details. Exactly, because there's really nothing. No, I, not yeah, maybe ta- I, maybe Tales yeah. of Link is a way for you to like link these other mobile games in some but other way. But they said that it, it's going to be like a Tales game. Oh, it is? Okay. I just have difficulty seeing the battle mechanics, like the limb system or the U-limb system or whatever. They have these crazy acronyms for their linear battle system. Transitioning well to a touchscreen iOS device. I really have a hard time seeing that happening. Because it's so dependent on the A button for basic attacks, up B, down B, left left B, right B for special attacks. Like it's it's so dependent Maybe on the system. Maybe it'll be like hold bottom left screen, swipe up, swipe I, down, swipe I, left, or then hold the side, swipe up, swipe. Maybe like, I, you know. I think yeah, if it was like draw shape, like, you know, um, do a squiggle. Yeah. Like I'm so sick and tired of just seeing like Tap the enemy. Tap the enemy. Tap it. Use the screen for something. Right. Tell me to tell me to draw a shape. Tell me to do something in a specific. Yeah. You know. You know what I? Which mobile games I I don't like are the fighting games. So like Street Fighter when it came out on mobile game uh, iOS, I hated that game. Yeah. Like because that relies on button press. Like, like full on yeah. button pressing. So then they put the easy mode where you just press the button and then it does the moves for you. It's but like, that's not a game. It's like. <sighs> Yeah, that's what James is saying. In terms yeah, of the action you know, it's figures, like right? yeah, like so that's why I feel. Added... I just feel like console developers when they, at least from what we've seen so far, mm-hmm. I haven't, and I haven't seen too many myself that, you know, really make a mobile game and make it work and make it make sense and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's, I just feel it's a money grab that Do they you... just are trying to enter this space to be like, well, people really like this and yeah, maybe we can sell it to these people and just get a little bit extra money. Do you think it could connect with iOS gamers? I mean, it's it's a complicated like in Japan. history and it's so littered in cliche and trope. I like t- so <laughs> much to the point where I the thing that bugs me is when reviewers will will be like, oh yeah, Tales game has tropes, and I'm like, yeah, and the sky's blue, like you know, mm-hmm. of course it fucking does. That's just what they are. I mean, do you, I, uh, the, my question being, do, do people think what's that game called? Infinity Blade, is it? That's mm-hmm. on iOS. Do yeah. people think that has connected with gamers? Uh, you know, it's such. A stra- cons- you know, gamers are probably some of the most conservative people out there in terms of their hobby. Like, you know, they like what they like. They like shiny new graphics. They like powerful penis boxes. And they like, you know, console experiences. Mm-hmm. So can you build a hardcore experience and sell it on a device that is viewed as trivial to hardcore markets? I don't know. Not to mention that there's this divide, um, you know, where people don't view mobile gaming as gaming like, that's what i mean like, like can you sell people, a hardcore game to people who don't want to use like, iphones you know there is this kind of divide where Androids. console gamers are like oh you're playing mobile games you're not a game but what i'm saying is 
do you think that this will bring in iOS gamers, people who are gamers on iOS? Because obviously Tails fans are following the series wherever. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Yeah. You know? It's not a matter of whether they'll come because they'll it, always be there. That was the point I was trying to make before, and it, was, it wasn't very clear. So the iOS market is a very specific one. Let's just say. It's, it's like the Angry Birds market. It's the Dots market. It's the Candy Crush Kingdom people, you know? Can you develop a traditional Tails game a 45, 60-hour-long game with a complicated battle mechanic. That's part of the Tales That's what series. it's known for. Like it's, it's known for, especially with Graces, fast-paced battle. You have to understand TP, HP. In Graces, it, uses, it used a number counter that goes from 1 to 5 as you dodge, and then you use that number to execute special skills. It's complicated. Can you develop a game like that that appeals to the casual audience? And if not, if you simplify the mechanics, can you still deliver a really great full-on Tales experience. That your that core audience is going is to enjoy, enjoy as much yeah. as they enjoy. That's the question. That's the fundamental question that I have never understood huh. with mobile gaming. This is why, even though some people think that, you know, like the handheld market might disappear, that's why I don't think it will disappear. Yeah. Well, it, no, I mean, Cameron said today, but there's people on the internet who say, you know, three years from now, Nintendo's gone because the three there's no one's going to buy a DS anymore. I no one's no, going to buy no, a handheld system so anymore. No. Right, but... Whether or not you, you agree or disagree, that's the fundamental question that I, I, I'm trying to answer here with these questions. Is that Can you create something that satisfies casual and hardcore without sacrificing you know, complexity and then also lowering, lowering the barrier to entry? Well, yeah. I don't know if you can. Because, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, so Final Fantasy um, that they released three and four and whichever one. Yeah. You know, it was very turn-based, just click. Yeah, click, yeah, touch, yeah. click, touch. Then they also released um, The World Ends With You on yeah. iOS. That's a very, that, you know, Flicky that was game. a little bit more flat, fast-paced, yeah. but it was meant to be a yeah. touch-type game where the, the battles were just swiping and stuff like that. Yeah, you had you had tapping, you were, like, scratching the screen, and then you were pressing with the D-pad, exactly. and I just, mind but blown. That, but, but see, that game still, I could still see, like, a casual audience somewhat adapting to that, you know, the controls are still meant yeah, to yeah. work on that. Like you said with Tails, it's very fast paced. And I just always remember like playing Vesperia yeah. and you know, like where there was the um the double attacks you could do with yeah. like other people and where it would flash something and then you two both had to press the button yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And you have to do this. The unison attack. That's and... part of the charm of Tails. Yeah. How are you going to translate that into a mobile game? If you take that out, well, if I'm a Tails fan, I'm going to be like, well, this is so basic. Because yeah. just like you said, tap to attack, tap to attack. You don't want that, right? Yeah. So if they, how do you translate that? I imagine it'll be a 2D game, actually. I think it's going to be a la Tales of Fantasia. I think it's going to be 2D. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be 3D. And I have to say this. If they're talking about developing Tales games on the platform where the Tales audiences is, why the fuck are they developing for iOS? Yeah. They even said themselves, yes. we are only going to make the game on the, where the audience wants it. Because my immediate idea of trying to develop something that appeals to casual and hardcore was the problem that we had. It lowered the barrier to entry. We got all this casual shovelware on to the point where it was hard to actually fit a hardcore game onto mm-hmm. it and say, oh, but it's also open to casual because what they want is so different. Like getting my mom to play Xenoblade Chronicles. Are you uh, insane? <laughs> yeah, right? not happening. Yes, exactly. And so they never good would point, So point. they would never port to the Wii because they would say, well, that's not where the, the, the tail space is. But yet, apparently, we're throwing it on to mobile phones and so that's what makes me think it's a money grab okay. that's yeah. what rings my bell yeah so do you think that this uh means that the tales series is in trouble 
Oh yeah, I think well, it's been in trouble for a while. Well, yeah, if they're <laughs> if they're releasing mobile games. I mean, that's why they made Zillia too, right? Yes, they did make a Zillia too because they had to recycle the assets to make more money. Yeah, that's really what it is. I mean, they did develop yeah. no, a no, new no, story. No, yeah. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the assets, yeah, yeah, no, the totally. Is that's why they made multiple Final Fantasies because they spent so many fucking years working <laughs> on it that they were like, well, we need, we to, need to run make this money in from it. The ground. Yeah, yeah, you're the, absolutely the right. The R and D invested in that battle system for thirteen, girl. You need a refund because that is a. <laughs> I could, you could have given me two dollars and I could have said, yeah. Uh, just have one person be able to control one person and, uh, you know, just press X. Done. Oh, don't uh, forget L1 to Paradigm Shift. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> L1 to Paradigm Shift. No. Sorry. Okay. I will wrap it yeah. up with this final closing question for you guys. Okay. Do you think that um, with the, the series being in trouble and whatnot, do you think that the formula needs to change? Did the tropes? And then also, what are... So what, define tropes, because... Um, if you have like amnesiac character uh, and that's like a main plot point and everyone is like, I forget my memory or like, you oh, know. yeah. Or like, you know, oh, you think you're doing something good, but it turns out you're doing something terrible. Like, it's yeah, like, a very... like uh, and like there, the fact that there's always fake endings in the game where yeah. it'll be like, tomorrow's the last battle. And then you go and fight it. And then they're like, no, it wasn't. But yeah. Yeah. It, okay. After a certain point. That's standard JRPG storytelling though. So yeah, I... opinions, opinions on that. Is that what makes tales tales to you? Or do you think, you know, I think that's kind of what makes JRPGs as a whole. Yeah. You know, um, and then Tales has kind of made it into their own little, you know, niche that that works. I think Tales has made it into its own thing by being quick. Yeah. Um, er. Yeah. But quicker. in like in terms of like the story and how the formula works and, and whatever, I mean, it, it it appeals to a very niche audience. Right. It, it's if Tales is hoping to be like your Gears of War, or your your Call of Duties, where it sells millions of copies, forget it. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. Just put that thought out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should stick with what works for them. Mm-hmm. Because if you start changing the formula altogether, then you're going to get a game that p- the core audience is going to be like, whoa, what is this? And then if you piss off that audience, then it's, it's done. It's done. So, okay. Then let me pose these final closing questions. Yeah. What is your favorite part of the Tales series? And what is your favorite game in the Tales series? I games. love the battle systems. I freaking battle love systems. the battle systems. Like, it's quick. It's it's great. It works. It's tight. Um, you know, sometimes, I mean, I actually didn't like Vesperia's battle system. But, you know, first, it I... It keeps you alert. It keeps and you pay, alert. paying attention. And I love a, that their faces flash across the screen when you do a really awesome, like, attack. Yeah, like... Uh, and like then, like they say, power. yeah, and they say a catchphrase, and they, their face flashes, yeah. and like, oh, that's 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 JRPG. That's very, yeah. Oh, I and what's enjoy... the one attack that's in every Tales game? Indignation. Indignation. <laughs> I do just enjoy like uh, when we were talking with Cameron earlier about uh, him playing as Esteles in uh, yeah. Vesperia, right? And you know, Nurse. whenever, well, yeah, they have to cast cast their spells, and they'll be like, like, oh, holy power, grant me this wish. Yeah. Nurse! Like, like come on, it's amazing. It's yeah, great. That's, okay. that's part of the Tales charm. Yeah. So, okay, favorite Tales games, then, each of you. Well, I've only played a bit of Symphonia, and then a bit of Vesperia with everyone, and then I played Tales of the Abyss. Um, out of those ones, I'd say Symphonia. <laughs> James. Symphonia, hands down. <laughs> I spent, my clock on that was 120 hours by the time I was done with that game. I Jeez. fucking loved that yeah, game. I, yeah, I also, I think I'll put uh, Symphonia as number one, but I will, I will put um, 
uh, Vesperia. As as a, a second, I enjoyed the game. I just felt like halfway through it lost its idea of what you were doing. What and by doing. the end, yeah, absolutely. by the end, like the final boss, I was like, but why is he I boss? I felt the same way as, uh, you know? with Abyss. Yeah. But, but then the thing with Symphonia, oh. Symphonia. Okay. The, the, the twist at the end of disc one, because I played on GameCube. Exactly. Like, they timed that so well, because you knew, you were like, this game's getting kind of, I'm like, why is there a second disc? Like, I'm almost at the end. And then, bam, they hit you with this twist. Everything suddenly makes sense. Yes. Everything makes sense. And disc two is all about exploiting and exploring that twist. And then the twists on disc two were, like, so good. I know. <laughs> Symphonia blew my mind. I my mind, too. I was like a 14-year-old boy. I was like, my mind is <laughs> Same. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. Anyway. So anyway, that's our Tales of Tales. Thanks, Mike. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Yeah, that was great. It was a great ride down memory lane. And uh, I I brought some new knowledge. And I know know. I learned stuff that I didn't know. I want to know the world ends with you. But anyway, anyway, um, share us share with us your uh, favorite Tales games um, through Facebook. Um, We're more active on Facebook, and of course, tweet us. I'm always on Twitter, tweeting, twatting, whatever. Um, so definitely reach out to us. And, of course, you can reach out to us on our website um, at the bottom of the uh, page. Of the page, You can leave replies on there. We definitely uh, enjoy to hear from our fans and, and to hear whatever you guys have yeah. to say. Even if you want to say we suck, we appreciate that. It yeah. means you're listening. Or it means you're listening, but tell us why we or suck. Or that there was, no, there was virtually no audio normalization in an yeah. episode. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're really sorry about yeah. that, by the way. And I'll throw in one last bit of Tales trivia yeah. to kick us out. Um, so Tales of Legendia uh, was developed by uh, the team that works on Soul Calibur, and that's why it was so different, and it played closer to a Soul Calibur game, and a lot of people hated that because it was developed by a team that just had no experience, no experience. with the Tales they, series. They were just like, make make us a Tales game. So and they made like a Soul Calibur RPG. Like, well, it just in, in terms of the battle system, yeah. it was so different. It was much closer to a Soul Calibur game. It's like a fighting game, yeah. So. Anyway. Oh. Cool. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.